Welcome to Consider Yourself Hugged. I'm Tammy. I'm Michelle. I'm Gracie. And a hug is a gesture intended to convey a sense of care and support, safety, intimacy, and affection. And even though we can't wrap our arms around you, we want you to consider yourself hugged. Hello, fellow hug seekers. Maybe, maybe hello, fellow huggers, or maybe huggies. No, that sounds like a diaper. I'm trying to think of a new way to greet you. You know, I say, hi, friends. Hi, like you. I don't know. So tell me what you think. Huggers, hug seekers. I don't know, maybe huggies. Like huggies, because like you're the acceptor of the hug. You get it? Right. Okay, so if if you're listening, you may not know this, but if you're watching, I feel like I should just mention that I had a 5 a.m. flight from Las Vegas this morning. So I literally just landed in Nashville like two hours ago, came home, got some things together, walked the dog. And now here I am with my not fixed hair. And I remembered that I got my little snack mix from Southwest and um, I never ate it. So do you mind while we're talking if I just have a pretzel or something to, um, yeah, there we go. That'll give me a little energy to go. So. How are you? You can tell me in the show notes. You can tell me somewhere. We, I mean, I'm very excited to have you. And a couple of things. Okay, that was really dumb to put a pretzel in my mouth. So I'm just going to, um, excuse me, and take it out of my mouth. I'm really going on a lack of sleep. And we've talked about sleep before. It does affect us. But there is no way I was going to miss a week spending time with you. So here we are. A couple things are going to be happening. So I'm redoing the logo since I'm now back to just hosting by myself with Gracie and Michelle as guest hosts. So I'm going to redo the logo. I'm going to redo the opening. I have two logos that I'm working on because my book, you know, you can kind of, if you're on YouTube, you can see it back, back there, but it's blue and yellow. So I'm trying to use that theme and everything that that blue and yellow so i had two potential logos i'm going to put them on facebook i'll also put them in the show notes so let me know what you think i'll have some way to label them like one or two so i'll have that i'll have a, a new recorded opening and that'll probably be by the time we're together next week so let me know about the logos let me know about what you think i should call you i'm thinking fellow hug seekers but i like fellow huggers as well Okay, enough rambling. Last week, we, well, week one, which was two weeks ago, we set the stage for talking about the hallmarks of emotional maturity. And I, so the link will be in the show notes and there was also an assessment. So if you haven't listened to that first episode, go do that, take the assessment. And then episode two last week or part two, we did a deeper dive into the first three um, hallmarks of emotional maturity. So let me read all 10 of them to you, and then we'll get into three of them today. So 10 hallmarks of emotional maturity, which just means that if you if you have um, some wisdom in these areas, that makes you closer. You know, I don't know if we ever reach complete emotional maturity, but these are the 10 things that are, that are good indicators. Number one is self-awareness. Number two, self-regulation. Number three, empathy. And we covered those last week. 
Right. Okay. Four, five, and six we'll cover today. And that's responsibility, adaptability, and resilience. And then the final week we will cover seven through 10 and that's effective communication. So important. Conflict resolution, realistic optimism, and healthy relationships. So one of the things I want you to be aware of as we go through this is that it's going to build. Okay. For example, today, uh, one of the things I'm going to say is, is having cultivating an optimistic outlook. Well, next week, we'll spend a little bit more time talking how to do that. Or if I mention being able to speak up for what you want, well, we're going to, we're going to talk about effective communication. We're going to talk about conflict resolution. I have tip sheets for these. So last week, one, two, and three in the show notes, there are three tip sheets, which just have 10 ways to cultivate that part of emotional maturity. And then today I'll put three tip sheets for four, five, and six. Um, I will say last time I tried to go over all 10 for each of the three, and it was just too much because there were really a few that I wanted to focus on. So today, instead of just going through all of them, I'm going to do two or three for each, and then I'll post all 10 in the tip sheets that you can get in the show notes. Got it? Okay. I'm assuming you're shaking your head. Number four, responsibility. So I want to read you sort of the AI, me, internet, experts definition that I kind of blend it all together. So responsibility entails owning up to your actions, decisions, and their consequences without resorting to blame or evasion. Emotionally mature people recognize their role in shaping their lives and relationships, accepting both successes and failures with grace and humility. Blah. I haven't always been good at that. Ultimately, responsibility empowers you to lead a more fulfilling and authentic life grounded in your personal agency and ethical conduct. What do you think about that? I mean, I thought that was such a good definition. Again, that just came from multiple places, especially about a couple of things that, that struck me. So sometimes we think people who don't take responsibility blame, which they do. We're going to talk about that. But I had thought about the fact too, that sometimes people who don't take responsibility, they don't necessarily blame. They just, they just evade it. They, they try to separate from it altogether. And the second thing I liked about responsibility is also taking responsibility for your successes. And oftentimes, especially as women, or if you're a woman listening or watching, sometimes it's harder for women, you know, to just say thank you and take responsibility for a success. That could be another episode, but not today. To build responsibility, there are 10, and I am going to talk about three, unless I decide to do more. The first one I want to mention is avoid making excuses or deflecting blame onto others. Instead, focus on what you can control. This one spoke to me so deeply because even though I just said people who don't take responsibility might blame or evade, that's me. Okay. Not as much now, but in the second episode, when I was going over like one through 10 of the hallmarks of emotional maturity, I said about all of them that I had not lived up to being a mature person in any of them at least during my days before the mental hospital, 
and all of that. And this is one that's difficult for me. And, and here's what happens in my mind. If something goes wrong, I make a mistake. And it doesn't matter if it's personal or professional. The first thing that I find my mind doing is to try to figure out how it wasn't my fault. Like, let's say that I booked the wrong car. Then I find myself looking through the email thinking, no way, no way. There's got to be, they made a mistake, something's. So that's my go-to response. If I'm not careful, I will default to that. So, and I'm sharing this with you for a couple of reasons. First of all, I want to help you maybe understand why, if you do make excuses or deflect blame, which might, it may not be that you actually say it out loud, but in your head, you're doing it. Or maybe you say it out loud. So I want to help you understand maybe why you're doing it. But also, when we say about someone else, well, they just don't take responsibility. I'm not saying that we allow people to not take responsibility. Let's say you're in leadership. So I'm not saying that we that we don't expect people to take responsibility. But what I am saying is, let's be careful about assigning them motives. The reason that I do that and I'm careful to reflect on it more now that I've worked on failure and taking responsibility. But the reason that I default to that is because of my fear of not being perfect. Now, my former fear, it's so much better now. But truth be told, it's still there to some degree. I don't want to fail. And if I mess up, it makes me feel sometimes like the world is just falling out beneath me i'm i'm letting you know that this is something that i'm working on like i said it's so much better now i received some horrible feedback a couple of years ago and i actually just talked about this in the conference um, that I spoke at in Vegas, which was so amazing. It was the Instructional Technology Council. These are community college people who, it's 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 a lot of people. Some of them teach their faculty that teach virtually. Um, they may be content developers for it's all it all revolves around virtual education at the community college level. And I shared with them a couple of years ago. I was new to doing virtual, and I got some pretty horrible feedback. The, the the thing in my mind, I thought, wow, is this going to set me back? Because if you remember my story, it was failing. It was getting negative feedback when I was student teaching that landed me in the mental hospital because I grew up with this extreme perfectionism. Do you, do you understand why I'm spending so much time on this? Making excuses or deflecting blame um, is something that people do, I think, often because they are afraid of failing it's it's not it's not usually because they don't care or they're um, self-centered or it's oftentimes because of fear so if that's you do focus on i think all the tips that we have can help you with this but focus on what you can control with that bad feedback that i received i hated the way that it was done i feel like it was very condescending. It was very harsh, but I did take it and used it to learn going forward. And I used it as one more opportunity to think, okay, what can I control out of this? And I encourage you to do that too. So that's the first thing under responsibility. The second thing, take initiative in resolving conflicts 
or addressing problems rather than waiting for someone else to take the lead. So raise your hand out there in virtual space, or if you're driving, keep your hands on the wheel. But maybe you're in a relationship, maybe you're married, you know, maybe you have a significant other, I don't just or just as an example, and you're in some sort of a there's been a disagreement and you're not really talking, but you feel like you're right. And so you do not make a move to address this because you're right and they're wrong. Okay, we all do it. Come on, we have everybody put your hands up. And that can be me. Again, this is one of the things I've learned. I'm this is something I try not to do, but it's hard. In any conflict or disagreement or problem, there are always multiple sides to it. So if we can take the initiative to take responsibility just for our part, it doesn't mean that the other person didn't do wrong, but who is going to be the emotionally mature person and break the ice and start the conversation? I hope that it's you. That's the second one. And the third one Honor your commitments and your obligations, demonstrating reliability and integrity in your actions. So this is, this is um, again, these are the three that spoke to me the most that I feel like I've either worked on or I'm working on. Um, the other ones, I want you to read those too as you download the tip sheets. But it's very easy. Let's say you've decided, you know, you're having a, you're going to a friend's dinner party. And it's been a rough week. It's Friday. You get home from work at five o'clock, or maybe you're home with the kids all day and you're just exhausted. And the dinner parties at 6:30. And it would be easy to say, oh no, I think I have COVID, right? Is that not like the best excuse in 2024? I mean, nobody wants you around if you think you might have COVID. You know, and, and oftentimes people will say, you know, I'm just telling you, I have a sore throat, I have a runny nose, I just want to let you know, you may not want me there. Now, that's a valid thing. Don't say that. I, it's not that I think that's not a valid thing, but it's an easy thing if we even feel a little tingle and we don't want to go or we're tired. Now, listen, I am all about self-care. That's one of the things that I'm going to mention in, I think, in the next little section, but also I'm about like serving others and, and helping others and demonstrating love and, you know, all the things to others. So if we have committed, for example, to going to that party or serving on that committee, just unless there really is a good reason, just honor your commitments. It's one of the things getting emotionally mature involves doing. All right. You good with that one? So I gave you the three that spoke to me about building responsibility. There are 10 that you'll read in the tip sheet. Now let's move on to adaptability. This one I had to, I, I had to, um, what's the word? I had to do, I guess, or be this morning at the, at the hotel. It's another, it's just a vital component of emotional maturity. Adaptability enables you to navigate life's unpredictable twists and turns with grace. Emotionally mature individuals possess the flexibility to adjust their mindset, their behaviors, and their responses to changing circumstances, fostering a sense of openness and readiness for whatever challenges may arise. Because as we know, challenges arise. 
When you embrace adaptability, you cultivate a greater sense of those things we talked about before, a couple of them, self-awareness, self-confidence, and problem-solving skills, allowing you to thrive in diverse environments and relationships. Ultimately, adaptability empowers you to embrace uncertainty as an opportunity for growth and learning, fostering a deep sense of fulfillment and well-being in your life. Doesn't that sound beautiful? The thing is, the first thing I'm going to, I picked three out of this section too. Yeah, I picked three. And the first one, the the president of the association who opened yesterday said something like this, and we all kind of just groaned. So here we go. I'm just going to say it. Number one, embrace change as a natural and inevitable part of life, maintaining a flexible mindset. I don't know if you needed to hear that or not. But honestly, honestly, the minute I sat down in this chair, whatever I was going to do was going to probably take a change from what I thought it was going to do. When I get up from here, things will change constantly. And being ready for that, or at least having a mindset that things will change, opens up the world for you. So just maintain a flexible mindset. Traffic will happen. The grocery store lines will be long. That project deadline will change. And these all fit together so well. I'll come back and refer to this at a later part. So number one, let's just embrace it. Change is there, always will be. Number two, this is huge. Practice mindfulness and present moment awareness to stay grounded and adaptable in the face of uncertainty. I have talked about this several times. I'm not sure if you've heard me talk about this, but I didn't start really working on mindfulness until about six months ago. And it's it's another story for another time, but I began a three-minute mindfulness, just a YouTube video, and I pretty much do it every morning now. I have, a, I have that three-minute one. I have a five-minute one. I have a Christian one. And I have like four on my YouTube channel. I'll put a link to those too. I think I already did in one of the show notes. The reason it relates to adaptability is because if we learn how to be mindful, how to be present in the moment, how to look at our circumstances, breathe, have a sense of calm, then when that project is moved, when that traffic happens, when I'm running late because the store lines are long, it doesn't mean that the situation is not there and that there may be some negative consequences from it. But it allows me to maintain that flexible mindset because I've worked on being present in the moment. It's, I think it's hard to explain how that helps unless you've done it, but I would love for you to share some stories, Facebook page, show notes, wherever. Um, because I'm going to check for a minute. Did I hit record? Oh, I did. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. I'm back. I don't know why I didn't think that I hit record. I just suddenly thought maybe I didn't, but be, see, look, change adversity. What if I didn't hit record that, that happened for a reason. If I didn't hit record, it's 15 minutes out of my day. I would just do it again and it would all be okay. So being calm and grounded in the moment. Listen, I am no meditation guru. My son 
is a meditation guru and is calmer than I've ever seen him, but I'm trying. I know that it's helping me with my anxiety, with my worry. I'm just a person who's trying. And the third one for this one, this is where it relates to this morning, stay proactive and resourceful, seeking out opportunities for growth and adaptation rather than passively reacting to circumstances. So when this association originally sent out my travel arrangements, they had a car picking me up from the airport, which worked out great. And then they had a car picking me up from the hotel this morning, but they had it at like 8.50. And I wrote them back and I said, no, my flight is at five something. So how about 4.30? And they wrote me back and said, perfect, you got it. So I come outside that I got downstairs at like 4.15 and about 4.25, I went outside and I, I thought they would probably be there by then, but I started looking around and I thought, okay, well, I opened up Uber and I looked at how long it would take an Uber to get there. I looked at the time again to see how much time I had left. There were taxi cabs right there. So I got on and did like a cab fare estimate and I gave the driver five minutes past time, so 4.35, and I looked at Uber one more time. Uber was like $21, and it was going to be five minutes before they got there. The cab was $26, and it was right there. And so I just walked over, got a cab, and went to the airport. Um, the lines were long, and I just, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back really, but when you travel a lot, if you don't, figure out a way to maintain a sense of calm. We're going to be talking about high blood pressure, you know, I, I don't know, but all these things, because it can be a difficult life. So whatever life you're living in, especially if you have things that happen on a fairly regular basis, um, be proactive, be resourceful. Look at this as one more opportunity for growth, because you can look back on it and say, oh, look, I did that. Okay. And rather than just reacting when it happens, I hope this is helping. And finally, resilience. This one, you know, let, let me back up a minute. I'm doing a Bible study um, with some friends. And one of them was talking about, okay, now let me pause for a minute. What was I going to tell you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As we're doing the Bible study and there's questions about how you can do better at this or how you do that. And I told them one day, I said, you, you know, we don't have to say that we're bad at everything. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, we're supposed to be, I feel like we are supposed to say in the way that these questions, some of them are worded, oh yeah, I'm not good at, oh, I'm terrible at, oh, I need to do better. And I know we can all improve in any area, but I was like, we don't have to be bad at everything. I feel like resilience is something I do well at. So let me read to you again, a definition that was put together by all these parts. Resilience serves as an anchor in the face of life's storms. Emotionally mature people possess the inner strength to bounce back from adversity, setbacks, and disappointments with grace and determination. Resilience enables people to weather the challenges of life with courage, maintaining a sense of optimism and hope, even in dark times. By cultivating resilience, because see, it's a learned thing. You can develop a deeper sense of awareness, confidence, compassion, allowing you to navigate the ups and downs of life. It empowers you to emerge from difficult situations stronger, 
wiser, and more capable of facing whatever life brings. And when have we had to be more resilient than in the past four years? You know, my life was rocked during COVID, and maybe yours was too. But even if it wasn't rocked, you had some change. And as we learned in our last section, change is always going to happen. And sometimes that change is is um is a challenge. It feels like a threat. It's adversity. So I picked three things that stuck out to me on this one. First, cultivate a positive mindset, focusing on possibilities and opportunities rather than dwelling on limitations. You know, when COVID hit and I lost all of my speaking business, I did not cultivate a positive mindset for probably, I don't know, a year that I start cultivating a positive mindset. It was a time where I was just devastated because I had lost all of my speaking business. My husband lost his job. The children, three of them moved home, which that had a lot of blessings to it. And it was just such a change. I took a job in sales. And so one of the things we're going to talk about, actually, I didn't, I didn't outline this one, but we have to be compassionate to ourselves as well. So it was a tough time. But at some point, if we tell ourselves, okay, now I need to focus on the possibilities and opportunities, because if I don't, then what I'm going to do is be sitting in depression and anxiety, and I refuse to let that overtake me. You with me? Okay, so it doesn't mean having toxic positivity. It just means a positive mindset. There has to be a road, a path that I can take that will get me where I need to go. And I'm going to focus on that. I feel like I should say amen. The second one. So remember I said not goofy, toxic positivity. So this one relates to that. Set realistic expectations for yourself and others, understanding that perfection is unattainable. You know, resilience means bouncing back. But one of the things about bouncing back is that it, we need to set realistic expectations about what we can do and when we can do it. That's part of also being compassionate about yourself. And if I expect myself to bounce right back immediately, resilience is not, notice it didn't say bounce back immediately. It said... It said, possessing the inner strength to bounce back. It doesn't mean that it happens overnight. So the second one, setting realistic expectations, that can be for your own mental well-being. It could be for the, the someone else that's that's close to you that needs that's gone through something difficult. It could also mean setting goals for things that are helping you bounce back from whatever that was. And that took a while. You know, it took a while. And when I uh, took the job, so I worked in sales from home, a little bit of travel for a year. And then for me, it was a God thing that I didn't pursue speaking, but speaking pursued me. So I stayed for one more year and then I had enough, I, I had enough success in getting those engagements and enough book for the next year that it was time to go. But I had to set those realistic expectations. Like, what do I need to have in order to push this job behind me? And it was a blessing, by the way, but it wasn't my passion to push this behind me and move forward, knowing perfection is not going to happen. And that one's really spoke to me. 
And then the last one that I, I've sort of mentioned earlier, resilience is a skill that can be developed and strengthened over time with practice and perseverance. So this means that, so it took me a while to bounce back, but if I'm practicing that and I'm learning from it and I'm growing from it, then I can bounce back quicker. You know, there was a time, well, it must've been five or six years ago because it was well before COVID I was, I was speaking, but it was in a year where my speaking wasn't, I wasn't making as much income as I really wanted to. So I, I remember this so much. I get up at three in the morning. This It's like in October or November at, because I have an early flight and I'm getting ready and I get a text from the client saying, we had a major snow storm, storm here. We're having to cancel. And I will never forget. I lost my mind because it was a significant paying event. And I just cried and what, and I'm not saying that it wasn't significant. It was significant. But instead of doing any of these things that I'm encouraging you to do here, I defaulted to worst case scenario. And I, I don't know how long it was after that, that I was just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I need to do something different from speaking. I mean, I was not being resilient at all. Now I had a huge event that can't, that doesn't happen very often, but I had one cancel um, for January. Well, I wasn't happy about it, but I really am trying to stay on this road. Well, okay, let's, I've been through this before. See, that's what you can do is you can say, I've been through this before. What happened? This is what I did. How can I learn from that? How can I get back on this road to being productive and being in a positive place? So there you have it. We have our 10 that I recapped for you. Make sure that you go to the show notes and get the assessment and those 10. And then we revisited our second session for a minute. Make sure that you go there and get those tip sheets. And then this time we did three. What did we do? We did, we did responsibility, adaptability, and resilience. You'll get the tip sheets when you go to the show notes. And I think that's it. You know, I, you all realize doing this for me is like a form of therapy too. I mean, when I talk this out with you, it helps me I think as much as it helps you. This is a safe space for us just to come together and for you to feel hugged in your world, supported in your mental and emotional journey. And I'm just so honored that you continue to join me. So if you are a woman and you are not part of my private Facebook group, it's in the show notes, go do that. I would love for all of you to follow me on my public Facebook group. It's in the show notes. <coughs> Excuse me. And make sure to download the tip sheets, invite your friends, continue to listen, download, share all the things. And until we're together next time, consider yourself hugged. <laughs>